We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 352 of the Win and Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I am your host, Adam McGee, and join me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello there. Hello, Harry Hans Tresky, reporting for duty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I die. That we've just been talking about that not specifically your hands maybe people will remember the reference that's like a week old at this point but you know what i'm not gonna explain it i'm just gonna leave it there how are you doing good i'm doing well how about yourself i'm I'm doing great jordan fantastic i'm ready to talk about the milwaukee books we've talked about all the other stuff going on in wisconsin sports before we recorded maybe some people would like to hear it it's probably best that it's not out there but it's on the cutting room floor. It's on the cutting room floor. It, in <laughs> fact, it wasn't even recorded, so it hasn't been cut. We're going to talk books basketball. It's the first time this season we've actually done this because we, in typical style, we opted out last week. We were like, no, this is this is too grim. Let's talk NBA 75 and uniforms. So <laughs> This season's a month old. I just realized we have not talked about No, we, we made sure to opt out and be like, what Ugh. can we talk about instead? which I feel is very on brand for us, but I think things are looking up. I think things are really (sighs) looking up, even off the back of a loss to the Boston Celtics on Friday night, um, the most recent game before we record this. I think there are signs of things really coming together for the books, and it would just be, it would be super, Jordan, if the books could uh, get healthy and we could see their best team out there again, because I think they would be something of a, 
a destroyer of worlds. Uh, I think it's it's set up really nicely. There's a lot to like about what we're seeing for some of the role guys. Maybe some questions, some of the others, but not a whole lot there that wouldn't be fixed by, you know, seeing Chris and Brooke and Giannis being fully healthy and Drew, all of those guys together. What are your thoughts though? Where are you where are you at on the six and seven Milwaukee Bucks, which I believe as we record this, um is it's 11th in the East, outside of the play-in spots right now. Hmm. Interesting. Um, the East is no joke. It's no joke. But there's also some, some jokes in there. Um, <laughs> like the next... I'm not buying them. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, the, the, what, what is there to say about the Bucks when you know, coming off a Celtics loss, a hard-fought game, don't get me wrong, without Giannis, without, obviously, Chris Brooke. Are we counting Dante? I know Dante is being counted as, if, again, tapping the mic, um, if anybody knows when, or this timeline of Dante's, (laughs) would really appreciate it. He is on on court doing basketball stuff, not necessarily with the books. I have seen him. Maybe some of the stuff he's had on Instagram. Is this a Jabari situation where he has like his own coach and is separate from... All all of that is very dicey territory in the NBA right now. Let's hope not. Um, If I was Dante, I would definitely be doing everything I could to get myself back on a court because Grayson Allen is (laughs) burying him further and further. He's drinking his milkshake. That's what he's doing. Oh, the milkshake is gone. The milkshake (laughs) is gone. Um... If we want to take, you know, if we want to take that particular oil analogy, the straw, straws up and out of the ground. And mm-hmm. Dante is down there so deep that, you know, <laughs> no one may find them again with the at the rate this is going. My boy! I abandoned my boy! <laughs> this is uh, suitably off the rails to start yes. with. Um, I was not prepared for Daniel Plainview impressions from Jordan, but here we are. I, I I personally am including Dante. I mean, I'm not saying that as in he's not a part of the rotation, but he's very much the back part of the rotation at this point. Like, it'd be great if he was back. Every healthy player the books can get back gets them one step closer to being, I think, the team we all think they can be. Mm. But my focus is on... Well, I mean, Giannis is included at the moment because he's just missed the game, but really the two obvious players who've been missing recently and Chris and Brooke. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to that end, I'm not... There's no panic stations. There's no need for panic stations, Most, uh, to be clear. Um, it's clear that, as you said, the kind of supporting cast players that have had to take a bigger step, whether it's Grayson Allen or Pat Connaughton taking over MSG, New York City, NYC. I was going to workshop a joke. This is, again, I know you're getting more. or something? Well, it was along those lines, because on the broadcast Friday night, they were talking about his various nicknames. They were? There's there's a company called Milwaukee PC. Mm. He should take it over. 
but P- I, PC as in like personal computers. Yes. Right. Yes. Interesting. Personal <laughs> computer could that be a nickname for him? It could. I'm more of a Mac guy, but um, some of the yeah. others thrown out on the broadcast. There was, I think, I think it might have been Darren Melendez's uh, suggestion of Big Shot Pat. So I was like, if you've got Planet Pat, which makes no sense. On Earth Day, he's Captain Planet Pat. I don't know. But Planet Pat, I'm, if a nickname makes no sense, but it has actually taken hold, I think yeah. that's a great thing and it should just be stuck with. No one should really question at that point. Let's not try and work it back to something that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Planet Pat, it's, it's ridiculous. But hey, if he's going to make like seven, seven three pointers in a game, more power to months. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could be Planet Pat. The same thing with Vanilla Thunder. Well, <laughs> right? There might be limits to this. Oh, okay. There may be limits <laughs> that we shouldn't test. Um, yeah, I mean, at the moment, it is very much about the role players. It's about some of the different situations the books are finding themselves in and trying to, I guess, weigh out what kind of value does that have? What utility will it have for them as the season progresses? Are they really going to have learned something? Are they going to benefit? I think yes, and also probably no. Like, there is a point where, oh, great, we've learned some lessons. We'll wear off. And it'll be like, can we get our best team and maybe learn some lessons about what that looks like? Because, I mean, I, what was it? I think it was in Zach Lowe's piece, 21 minutes that Chris Drew and Giannis have played together this season. Yeah. Um, Brooke obviously only played in that first game. So if we're, if we're looking at what the total minutes for the five-man lineup that'll be the starting five is maybe 10 12 i don't know it's not going to be too much more than that probably with all five of those guys sharing the floor together so all these other lessons great it would be nice at some point if they could start to get a look at the kind of group that is going to be on the floor for most of the time when things really get serious or when you're just trying to win a game against some of the other best teams in the nba but i'm very impressed with kind of how they're hanging tough more recently. I mean, they did have the spell of losing five and six games and there were some bad performances in there at times in that though. It just felt like Giannis was on his own. And that is also not ideal longer term, just not ideal for him to have to do that. But more recently, and I think since Drew came back, Bobby has obviously been a bit more, more stable in terms of his health just in getting any kind of pieces there where you're like, okay, this isn't the books as we know them. But it is at least, you know, a group of actual NBA players wearing books jerseys as opposed to where they were for some of those games. Like seeing something that it may not be your best team, but like like was the case on Friday in Boston. I mean, you're missing three of your four best players. And with the way Drew played, you could say you were missing four first parts of it. Yeah. But you were seeing a lot of guys who will be in the mix for minutes and mostly guys who'll be in the mix for minutes. And they were doing a good job and they were kind of fighting and holding their own. There was no one who played in that game that I'd be like, they're just, they've no chance of playoff minutes. I mean, Rodney Hood is borderline. Jordan Wara, we'll see how that goes. It's come down pretty hard since the opening game of the season or the opening couple of games. But, I mean, otherwise, Bobby Porras, George Hill, Drew, Pat, Grayson, Shemi, Shemi Tanasis, they're the kind of guys who are going to be in the mix. So 
no disrespect to just Robinson or Sandman, but I think there's a point with that where that's not instructive. And at least if you're going to go and you're going to lose to a team that may or may not be a playoff team, seeing some of those guys play, work things out is interesting. Do, do we want to dive into it? Do you want to go player by player through a few here? I feel like mostly that's what we can do right now because I don't have overarching takes on what the books are doing well, how the books are faring compared to last year, how they're faring compared to other teams in specific elements of their game because I just kind of feel like, like what can we take from it? Like I think they could rebound better. They could defend the paint better. They could score the paint better, but there's very obvious reasons for all of that. Um, like let's see, rebounding against the Celtics, they're rebounded by 14, <laughs> and you're like, Yeah, well, you don't have Giannis and you don't have Brooke, and no and that one game could... went to overtime. Went to overtime, they... <laughs> no one could box out. Bobby, not his greatest strength. I think that's for Shemi was the I think Shemi was the rebound leader for the books. Um so there's a lot of stuff there that would seem like a problem, but it could just in the space of a week not be a problem if everyone was to come back and you start to see a real version. So I think some of the most interesting stuff to talk about at the moment is the individuals. So where do you want to, who do you want to go to first? Um, let's go to the man that is being called Gray Allen. Gray Allen. <laughs> didn't, didn't Ray Allen grow his hair out a bit? I think recently? so. And it was, it was pretty I think gray. there was a, I think there was a uh, COVID lockdown type thing there was i remember and i remember there's one of those things where do you remember when everything was just there was nothing going on so it's like oh look this is what this person looks like yeah i'm 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 (laughs) looking at it now and frankly i have no idea what he was doing um there were a few grays actually not as many grays as i remembered but then also not as much hair so you win some you lose some but gray allen should he should he lean into this should he Instruct people to stop calling him Grayson. Do you think? Just my name is Gray. <laughs> it's like someone being named. It's Topher Grace. He goes by Topher instead of Chris. His name's Chris. Christopher. Well, it's. I think his, his name is Christopher, uh, and he's using Topher. I did not know this. I always thought see, Topher was a yeah, weird he's, name. He's, he's Christopher John Grace, so he wow. went by Topher. Look, uh, Chris Grace was probably taken in. That's you know, right. Yeah, skills, especially SAG. Do you do it for a, SAG pers- purposes? Yeah, that's a that's a bold though to be like. You know, will I make up another name like everyone else, or will I just go with Topher? I wonder, like, why did he just call himself Topher? Um, anyway, back anyways, to Grace. Yeah, definitely back to Grace and Al. Um, lighting the world on fire hits good shots. What is this fourth guard thing that I keep seeing? What is this? It's thing? a Nate Duncan tweet. Oh, you haven't seen the Nate Duncan tweet? No, I I don't. He I, was critical the moment the deal was announced. The extension? What, yeah. Why would you? Why would you pay a fourth guard ten million dollars a year? Was the tweet. And the reason is because he's your second guard, and he's <laughs> infinitely better. That guard three and guard four, and he's a perfect and he's playing style. He's right? playing, he's healthy. <laughs> we, we know his status, we know when he'll play next, and he's also really good. 
like better than I think any just kind of flippant description like that would suggest. He is he is a real deal starter in this league. And I, I think Dante is like Dante is a natural comparison, but I think it's a good comparison because we've spent the last few years being like, yeah, Dante is, you know, I think Dante is probably a starter in this league. Like Grayson Allen is a starter in this league. There is no doubt about it. His skill set, his whole approach to the game. If anything, he's kind of the dream shooting guard in terms of a role player. I can't think of too many players in the league that you're like, okay, if my starting shooting guard isn't like my star, who would I want? What kind of player would I want? And that's before even getting into the fact of, you know, who the book stars are and who the book superstar is and, and what how the fit works there. So yeah, that that's the reason you keep seeing that and we'll continue okay. to see that. Yeah. And it is an incredibly bad take because the guy is really, really good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. See, the thing, too, that's different, as you mentioned, especially since Giannis has taken hold, uh, I have I also looked up something. I will finish the Topher Grace thing. Oh, crap. Um, I'm sure everyone was waiting. Everyone's dying to know. But to, <laughs> to what I was about to mention is that the shooters are these kind of um, just, like, good fit space of floor type guys that the Bucks have historically had around Giannis, whether it was Jet, Kyle Korver, Bryn Forbes last year, 
of Grace and Allen's position. We're not talking about like Mirza or what they thought Miritich would be, that kind of thing. Is that he's playing more than any of those guys did, really. Um, and next to when everybody's healthy, um, that it makes more sense. Like we've always wanted to see like what is a volume shooter around Giannis look like in that sense where it's like, I'm not saying they should have like traded for Buddy Heald, but that kind of like just this kind of gunner at all stages of the game. And I, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's so, there's like, it's almost, a, it's boring to talk about because it was just so cut and dry from the moment that they traded for him because it was like, Oh yeah, this guy that's kind of, you know, there was some question probably after his rookie season with Utah that is he an NBA player? He gets, you know, sent to Memphis, finds his game, finds his footy in the NBA level. And it was just a matter of how do you best utilize someone like him and, you know, further unlocking his fit and further unlocking his game. Put him next to a, you know, two-time MVP, finals MVP, who you know, can orchestrate the offense at will, <laughs> like Giannis and, you know, to a lesser extent, Drew, too. And it it makes so much sense. So it's like, I don't know, It's I'm not saying it's boring to talk about just because no one expected him to do this. Granted, it's out of necessity given the situation of the roster and injuries and all that. But, like, the the basics of it all just make sense to – how he's how Gray Allen has made his fit with the Bucks so far. I I think the thing is that different player, not comparing that strange style, but in terms of what you're getting at the position, it's the first time since Malcolm Brogdon left that the Bucks have a, a shooting guard who, yeah, he can be the role player. He's not the best player in the team, he's not the most important player in the team, but he is capable of creating something for himself. He could take some shots. Grayson Allen is much more willing to take shots than Brogdon was certainly at that point yeah. in his career. And he's he's a dead-eye sharpshooter. I, I think the interesting thing is I don't think he's a gunner, like in a Buddy Heels kind of way, but I think he, he has enough confidence in himself that he is prepared to do that like he has done recently. And yeah. that's, that's really the ideal. I mean, just generally with players, is someone who knows their own limits and can taper that back in as to what the team needs and i do think everyone healthy he'll probably take a couple of trees less per game and maybe even more he won't play quite as much and i think he'll be fine and can be just as good kind of in a relative sense in that capacity in that role as he is now in taking on a much more aggressive and a much more dominant role in the offense and that just has so much value and i mean you add to that his athleticism which we all knew about coming in, but we're now seeing a front like that's that's real. That's very much legit. It works on both sides of the ball. He's better on the ball, as in off the dribble is much more comfort than I quite anticipated with that. That's one of those things that had to me become a real bellwether for Dante. It's like, okay, yeah, does he have an ability to just put the ball on the floor and create a mid-range shot for himself or something? And the results were very, very mixed when we last saw him, which was a long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, 
And that is something Grayson Allen is capable of doing. And I mean, you add to that, I thought what was really telling is the Celtics were like, they were obsessed. They were smothering him for large portions of that game. And you get the ball, he'd just be flooded with pressure. Wasn't phased by it. He'd put the ball on the floor, move it, get it back. Is the shot there? No, I'll move it again. I'll move. Like, I, I think even some of the things, he's not a relentless kind of frequent motion running around screens kind of guy, but he will do that when the need arises. If he's like, okay, this is how I can get to my spot and get my shot. I just think he's got a really nice, well-balanced game. And on, on defense... I'm not really seeing any issues. Like he is not a lockdown. I, I was, but I was gonna say it's not like he, teams are picking on him, and you have to worry about we're gonna have to really hide this guy. He can just go out there and hold his own in a way that someone like Chris does. You know, he's Chris is probably a little bit better, although it's matchup dependent with Chris. But I mean, what you want, particularly on a team when you've got Drew and you've got Giannis and you've got Brooke, you've got your star defenders, you've got your defenders in really all levels of the floor there who are, are specialists one way or another what you then want is your other guys just to be able to look after themselves you know so that those guys don't have to worry about carrying you as well and he's got that down for me like probably not i don't know it's a long time since we've seen dante i mean do i remember dante yes i uh, who knows six months at this point really and it feels like longer it really feels like longer but we'll, a lot of things we'll have happened when, in that six months. The books, the whole thing, it's, you know, different landscapes since Dante last played. I'll be curious to see when he does come back into the mix and he's playing a bit, but I don't know if there's that much between them defensively. And if there is, maybe Dante, maybe Dante would handle assignments better. I, I think that's probably fair. You wouldn't necessarily be picking Grayson Allen out and being like, well, you've got this guy because you're our lockdown defender. There's not a lot of games where he really needed Dante for that, though, when you've got Drew and you've got Giannis. You know, it, it's not something that was essential. And the ultimate proof of that was we taught against the Nets and we taught against the Suns that the lack of Dante could sink the books because there were so many guys that you're like, well, really, you'd like to have someone on that guy and someone on that guy and wouldn't it be great if there's another perimeter and you know what they managed to get past that they managed to work around that it's it's been incredibly impressive i mean we end up back on dante again but i think but it is it's relevant to the to how grayson came here and and to what the books are getting out of the starting shooting guard spot with him there as opposed to what we've seen in recent years and Dante was the best they had had since Brogdon when well, it was even this time, you know? It's it's kind of, I think, I mean, we'll, we're going to throw Wes Matthews in there, too, because it was kind of like this... Completely forgot. Who's he? Uh, he's the man that left the Bucks. Where's he now? Uh, he's on, yeah, he's not on a team. That's right. Hmm, how did that work? <laughs> so he left the team left the hometown team, he went to join the Lakers, and then the hometown team won a championship, and you're telling me he's a free agent? <laughs> anyway, continue, Jordan. Um, but it was almost like since the Brogdon decision. That's how I'll frame it. Yeah, let's... Um, we won't count on who made decisions, but there was a decision made. It was a decision, and 
we're here. Um, but as I was wiping the slate clean and you kind of, you play for fit with Wes and kind of, you know, making do with what constraints that they work themselves into that year. Um, and when Wes left the hometown team, um, they turned to Dante who, you know, for, I mean, I'm not saying he's not an NBA player, but he has his pluses, obviously, where he can play bigger than his size. He's a good rebounder. He does that. It's more the intangible stuff that than anything, but in terms of fits and, you know, what's necessary to this Bucks team under Bud is, you know, can you hit shots from long range and space the floor, do that kind of stuff that Grayson Allen clearly can do. That was more of a mixed bag with Dante. It would be, you know, he's had a hot, you know, week that would cool off. Um, and it's just that inconsistency that you can, you know, that they just can't deal with at this point. I mean, even Pat, I mean, how we talked about Pat too, you know, probably this time last year going into last season, his shot was definitely, I mean, it was up until maybe the finals. We would talk about Pat as an inconsistent shooter. Now it's like, well, he's, if he's hitting, what is it, like 37%, I think, on the season? If he's hitting that, that's great. That's all you can really ask of if you're getting his shot, his defense, his improving game all around because he just kind of does a little bit of everything. That That's why there was a need to, to uh, you know, improve their wing rotation. And Grayson Allen is... I'm not going to say the. <laughs> you you said something to me the other day as a joke for different oh, yeah. reasons. You sent me a message and you were like, "Is Grayson Allen the Johnny Mac of this team? Pat Connaughton is the Johnny Mac of this. Like that's and that probably Ty will like me saying this because that will bolster his case for the jersey to go to the rafters. <laughs> um, and you know Pat Pat could be a long time. You know. He could be a books broadcaster for 30 years at this point. Nothing would surprise me if other business ventures don't keep the man too busy. Maybe he's coming for Peter Fagan's job. And that, you know, that bobblehead on the desk is more, more for like voodoo purposes than anything two else. Phones. Yeah. Two phones, always working two phones. But Pat, I mean, is also when we're talking like just the whole situation that Dante will return to as opposed to where he was. Like Pat is unbelievable. This guy, it's like, where has he come from? Mm-hmm. Who is he? What happened to the other guy? And it, because when you were talking, I was going to say, well, and maybe we'll do it anyway. Like if free agency starts tomorrow, what kind of offers is Dante feeling? What offers is Pat fielded? No, right? that's not. You're not going there first. I asked you what? That. That's, I think that's a more relevant question. No, it's not because we'll get to that in a second. But what kind of offers would Dante be feeling? I mean, what? how I would, my view of his value may not meet the market, right? Well, you answered the question. Whatever way, if you want to imagine yourself as the collective market, you could do it. 
if you want to just am, speak I am personally. The I'm just like we'll get to the pop part of this. I like the guy, the the guy on deal or no deal. I set the prices and I put every the banker. <laughs> yeah, you don't see me. I'm just sheeted. And... <laughs> That's how I used to be a long time ago. Um, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, no, I'm, give me what? something. Give me something. We'll talk about four, this is four, part of the four, grace and pot conversation. Four for 44. What? That's, That's I, I'm saying I'm saying the market. That's the market, not me. Who's giving him four years when the guy like we don't know if he plays? Don't know if he plays Jabari, Jabari got what like I, I'm, I know as a suspect Chicago Bulls team. Dante was not a second overall pick who was once viewed as, you know, this is a future of a franchise. That is not Dante. There's, I, I do think a team will gamble on Dante, but I would have thought it's more like maybe someone gives him like 10 million on a one-year deal and I'm like, hey, it's worth a one-year flyer. I don't see how he could get multiple years. Of double double digits? No, I don't. What did Kelly Oubre get? Kelly Oubre was like doing really good stuff, and he was playing. Yeah, but he kind of has that that. Um... If that's if that is actually what I don't know. No, this is my no, point. But was... my my reason for asking was okay because we talk about we're talking about Dante there in regard to Grace, and then we we've talked about him for a long time in terms of where his value was, where his value was going, as in relative to the books. And I was going to say before you came out with four years, 44 million, that blew my mind. Maybe he's actually reached a point where he could be valuable to the books again, because he could be someone you're going to get in the steal of a contract to bring back, and he's going to be a key rotation piece for years to come. But I was thinking, like, you know, mid level. Kelly Oubre signed a two year, $24 million deal with the Hornets. $24 billion. I don't think anyone's giving Dante that over any length of time. You could get that a year later. But the, this is so my analogy here was is that Kelly Oubre played for the Wizards, Suns, Warriors. He leaves the Suns, they go to the finals. He leaves the Warriors. The Warriors are the Warriors again. I, yeah. I don't know if you've seen this. Of those. <laughs> um He's kind of like this like nice role player, but for whatever reason, when the teams get rid of him, they I, I mean, the Wizards are the exception here. Uh, even though they're the Eastern Conference leading Washington Wizards. So the only point of your comparison here was when Dante got injured, the books from the championship. I don't know if anybody knows this, though. That's don't know thing. if that's something Does the market gonna, know that? Does the I, market... I don't think that's an incentive for the market to bump their price up, be like... But hey, if we every, get this guy, we won't win a championship. I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying. Oh, unless you're saying that the incentive to sign Dante is you sign him, and then when you get rid of him, you're going to the finals. <laughs> I don't know. But I, so it's a long game play. You, it's you're like, kind of losing me with that part. But what what is clear is what how I'm saying people... is you're not you're not signing him <laughs> for the player, right? You're signing him for. What well, seems to be the kick the you're gonna get, or exactly, yeah. exactly the juju, which is you're paying, you're paying for the chance to get him, so that when you lose him, you're going to the finals. Yeah, <laughs> I just think how he is perceived and how he's been this, you know, uh, how he, I don't know, it's just it how I feel about Dante, and I feel like 
I don't know how you feel about Dante now because you said four years, forty-four million. Well, I, that's the market. That's what okay, I was saying. Right. So that's not my feelings of it. I would so not. What would you? Him. Uh, what is yeah i i mean do you just do like a prove it deal no i i think the only reason uh, for the books to know. keep them would be if you could lock them in cheap for multiple years and you're like we've got a good player who's a trade chip and he'll be a good rotation player if nothing else the fact you've got the grace and extension on means you don't have to worry about it like i, I was i'm only curious because I'm thinking in the way we're talking about Grayson and the way we're talking about Pat, the conversation on Dante has shifted and will have shifted possibly even further by whenever he comes back to the point where we're, we're going to be looking at him to be a different player than the player we were looking at him to be. And that will actually be quite favorable, the drop in expectations for him, where it's like, could he be a good eight man? And could you get him on the low end because, well, of, you know, points at, all of the the stuff on fire over here, which has been his last few months. And then you're like, maybe this works for multiple years. Now to your, the thing that you tried to first squirm your way out of answering the question with, which is what does Pat get? Like Pat is priority. And I don't know what they do there because they need to keep Pat Connaughton. They need to keep Pat. They can't let him go. He does. He's Johnny Mac. I mean, they got to... <laughs> They have to pay him and Bobby. Well, I don't think I don't think both are coming. If this uh, holds, I'm fine with that. I don't know if that's going to go in the way that you want it, though. I we don't, don't know, know what this I team. Do, I we... don't know if it won't. Honestly, I mean, Bobby is fascinating. Um, I've seen a lot of good Bobby recently. Also, been some not very good Bobby. We saw some, certainly in overtime, the Celtics beat the books by just... Felt very game one of the finals of being picked on. Even, you know, it felt Defending more on like... Island. It felt like um, the Eastern Conference semifinals, as in, you're like, well, this guy's unplayable. He can't play in this. That's, that's a really, really tough one. And I, I think... But also... In that situation, who are they going to roll out? Are they going to put up out Thanastas? You're talking about last night? Yeah. No, I, like, I don't care. And I think that's, uh, I know. that's basically where the books would have been, too. It's like, it actually is more instructive, and it's better for them to get Bobby reps and to have the film and be like, well, let's try. I, I actually want to talk about some of that in a minute, because I, I think there's some specific things that he could just like look to how Brooke handles being switched on to someone much faster, much smaller, and play in a different way and just handle it much better without being the defender that Brooke is. I, I I think there's a lot of stuff there that's just all wrong and it gets very kind of panicked when when Bobby is switched that doesn't work to his advantage. But generally, I, I do think... We don't know how much longer Brooke's going to be out. I think a knock-on effect of... Did, did Brooke have mysterious surgery that he would announce right before giving it? A la Jason Kidd, remember his hip surgery? I remember that, but no, I don't That's, think so. We're coming up on the anniversary here, and I just wanted to commemorate it. We're month plus out, right? I feel like December 16th. No, kind of... no, 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 no. That was that was. I thought very... it was just for like Christmas. 
Let's look it up. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It was more so by Christmas. Yeah, I remember that because that was part of the thing. It's like, does he just want, does he want to take Christmas off? <laughs> like, <laughs> wants, wants to enjoy the holidays? What's, what's going on here at this time? And, um, I think with Brooke, though, one of the things that Brooke missing and for however long that goes on are just him being older. And we talk about like it's going to be kind of front of mind, back of mind, wherever it is. They're not able to avoid that. They have a problem looming that Brooke is absolutely pivotal to what they do. She's not getting any younger and they they don't have a proxy for him on the roster. Bobby Portis is not that. I think that's an issue for Bobby to longer term. I, if Bobby, if there was some sort of handshake agreement last summer, I'd be, <laughs> if I was his agent, I'd be calling in because I, I just think they, they're going to have to weigh things up generally with what they're doing with their bigs and what the future is, how they move forward with that. I don't know if it will necessarily serve Bobby really well to have Brooke out for a long time to give extended periods where his weaknesses could be exposed. Certainly any more games without Brooke or Giannis, not good for Bobby because as, as we said, the rebounding was a problem. Like he played well offensively. He they have 21, 22 points. Um, 22 points and 10 to 15 shooting. Like two thumbs up, no complaints there. Nothing, nothing really you could take issue with that. But the game on the line, the Celtics, Celtics ultimately like took Tatum out of it, even. And they were just like, okay, let's yeah, because like, Drew was guardian. So it was basically like, we're not getting the switches that we want with, you know, our crunch time score, go to crunch time score. But, you know, they're more than happy to. Yeah. Well, just make it as uncomfortable as possible for Portis. Let's give him the smallest, quickest guy we have, and let's run to it over and over again. My thing on this, and I, I don't know what you think, you don't know what anyone listening thinks, you can let us know. I think Bobby is way too upright in guarding position. I think he's very much like Bambi on ice. It's It's all... I get the feeling he's on the verge of being crossed over and ending up on the floor every time a smaller guy gets onto him. And I don't think he actually utilizes his size, weaponizes, I suppose we could say on, on this podcast, in the right way, in the way that Brooke would. Where if you think when Brooke gets switched onto a smaller guy, he tends to get very low. He'll extend his hand right out to make sure they're fully aware of his length, his wingspan. And he'll just kind of be slow and steady with it and he'll he'll give himself more distance i feel bobby has a habit of getting too close to smaller guys that once they shift then he is out of the game and i part of that might just be a greater a greater sense of recognition and understanding of your positioning on the floor as a defender that's maybe beyond them but on the other hand i i don't think it's that tough to be like okay you're actually you're relatively quick Sure. Are you as quick as Dennis Schroeder when you're going back on your heels and he's going at you? No. no. But you're relatively quick. You've got good size. I think he'd be served better by taking, you know, step or two back. Um, no, not especially, stepping off, 
but especially it's, it's against... like use your use your length. This is if you're big and you're switched on to a smaller guy, that is your only advantage is that you don't have to be right on top of them because you can close space with your length rather than with the speed of your feet. And that is something, and particularly in with Dennis Schroeder, not the greatest three-point shooter in the world by any means. That's what I was gonna say. I just step yeah. way back off, and it's like if he's gonna make three or four trees to beat you in overtime, fine. But I, I just I always feel, and I think we have a mailbag question later along the lines of this on on Bobby and just why the books let this happen over and over again. I don't know if the books would be too disappointed to get some looks at this and to get Bobby some reps and possibly work on this because this is a key thing that is going to be one of their concerns. It's the reason why he couldn't play against the Nets last year. And if you want to avoid a repeat of that this year where you're just having to write one of your better players out of rotation for a series like that, he's going to have to figure this out during the season. Last night was very far from figuring it out, but I, I do not a coach. I am not a coach. Nobody has to address me as coach, Jordan. I'm not an expert. But I think just basic eye test, very simply, he gets too close to these players. And he's it's all frantic movement. It's rushing out. It's panicked. I think, you know, a couple of deep breaths. Okay, let me, let me gauge where I am. Let me show my wingspan. And let me just not kind of scramble to this. Because that's where, if everything gets too frantic, they're past him and it's it's one thing i was thinking about after the game when brooke gets switched on to smaller guys you often see them get a three-pointer off over his head they don't necessarily make it because he closes late and he closes with his length but you'll see them get the shot off you do not see brooke's knees like buckling and him being crossed up doesn't happen and he would be like the prime candidate for that of centers in the league that you're going to switch on. I can't think of many that are the size he is. That'll be as slow as he is where it's like, this is a guy that if you can get some space, you're going to take him off the dribble. He's, he's toast, but it doesn't happen because he, he understands enough to be like, let's bait them into this, which is playing closer to my strengths. It's how he survives on switches. It's how in theory, we're always like, no, no, you don't want Brooke out there switching. And anytime they've actually done it, they more than get away with it. It works because he is intelligent enough to not just put himself right out there in their face and be like, I'm going to swarm you because that's where someone puts the ball on the floor and it ends up very poorly. That's just, it's something that I was thinking about post game. It's something that jumped out to me with Bobby. I think as to why the books weren't fighting that more, it's like, does it serve them in game 13 of the regular season? to fight that more and be like, no, let's, let's fight off that switch. Let's make sure Drew is on Dennis Schroeder. No, I, I actually think it's good to get Bobby in those spots because he can't do it. And really they need to work out a way that he can do it by the time the postseason rolls around again, or even beyond yeah. that, like it goes to Brooke is getting older and you're trying to work out what your front court situation looks like. If Bobby could figure that out and be able to hang in most situations, that's a game changer. That changes yep. his value to the books. That changes what you're prepared to invest in him. If he can't, though, he's a backup. He's this incredibly gifted offensive backup four slash five that is fantastic to have. Like, it's an embarrassment to riches to have that player, but you're not going to really invest in that as a starter when you're trying to win a championship. Yeah, I, I mean... 
to your point is that, you know, I think for the last year since the Bucks got them, it's how do they best, you know, hide or, you know, utilize Bobby's defensive skills, talents. He's not the greatest defender by any means, um, obviously. Comparing him to Brooke is kind of a fool's errand just because Brooke is so technically sound in so many different ways that, you know, we were talking about that game one in the finals and he's switching on to Chris Paul and, you know, Devin Booker and all this stuff and kind of on an island. And yeah, it looked terrible in the moment, but it was also like, well, that's what you live with. You know, it's defense is often about what you're willing to live with rather than what you're taking away. And um, especially under Bud, I think that's definitely been the kind of the key. And with Bobby, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag in so many different areas. As much as we'd like to see him, you know, be an improved pick and roll defender, which I think he's actually gained some strides in kind of doing the drop scheme. Um, he's not he's not the box out guy that Brooke is. That's the kind of the biggest he's he missing. Box out at all. He doesn't box out. Neither does Giannis, too. That's, I mean, all these rebounding woes have happened with Giannis on the floor, too. So it's not just. Giannis goes and gets the rebound, though, in a way that Bobby doesn't. Or can't. Like, that's a weird thing, too, when you look at his energy all over the floor. It's not something that he seems to be able to kind of translate to his rebounding. And kind of physically, there's a lot of stuff there that you think. Like, it, just his whole vibe, his whole attitude, you'd be like, why is there not some more kind of Montrez Sorrell in him as a rebounder? I was going to say, he's kind of like the guy that I'm thinking of when you're talking about this, where he's kind of this, he's not a, he's, well, yeah, Bobby is a tweener, where he's, he is too kind of lumbering to be a four, as what a four is now. Mm-hmm. But he's not a traditional five by any means. He's he's kind of the unusual tweener in that he has five height. Yes. But his game and his skills is completely four. Yeah. So for to get back to like what this whole conversation is, is that like I think you'd I, to my or to watching that game last night and seeing how it unfolded and you know whether it's a snapshot of how you kind of utilize him when, you know, your season's online and he's playing the rotation on like the net series <laughs> last year. Um, you're going to be more comfortable with him being on switches rather than drop scheme, just because then you're opening up. Well, can you come back and contest a lob attempt if, if the, you know, Celtics just basically run pick and rolls. Cause at this point in the game, it's, it's all about matchups. It's not, you know, the Celtics, it wasn't like they're running these crazy plays. They weren't running plays at all. It was either clear out the middle of the floor, let Dennis Schroeder cook, <laughs> and see what he can do against, you know, probably the Bucks. I'm trying to remember who was all on the floor, but the most uh, – it, it was a rotating cast of Drew – Grayson, Grayson, Pat, Shemi, Bobby. So there was one of those kept coming out. I was actually, I was finding it interesting. Some of the sub patterns for Bud in that time, 
Um, part of it may just have been trying to get everyone some sort of rest, like Grayson started overtime on the bench. Um, George Hill came out for, for a brief kind of breather when Grayson came back in. Then Chemi was coming out when he was starting to try and play offense defense. Like I some cool stuff. I said some fun stuff. And actually, some of the kind of things that I think rotation-wise we would have had issues in the past that Bud didn't do at this point in the season. But yeah. I, I, it feels like that's very much where their mindset is at, as opposed to let's combat Dennis Schroeder and ensure we we win this game. I, I mean, I personally, as a Bucks fan, I was very happy with how that game went, and I was very happy, I think, with what they would have got out of it and the performance all around. I think there's a lot of good stuff there. Drew didn't quite have it. I feel like part of that might just have been him being out there without Chris, Giannis, and Brooke. And also, like, like he, I know he's he playing. He doesn't have to do that very often. So he was definitely pressing, and it wasn't working for him. I know he's playing, but he's also had a number of knocks and injuries mm-hmm. to start the year. So, like, yeah, there's – I mean, we've seen him go 5 for 24 in critical, consequential games, playoff games. So I'm not – Yeah, I, I also – I don't – I think Bucks fans are kind of hung up on that. There were some jokes about that. Like, let's dare to dream that the Bucks find themselves back in a similar spot this year. I don't oh, yeah. think necessarily that's going to be the Drew Holiday thing. You know, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I, I'm not. I'm, no, you're not saying that, but yeah. I, I do think generally there's this idea where there are people are hanging on to his offense in those games, and I think there are reasons, as in just the toll of his defense that might take away from his offense. So maybe that is a factor. But I don't know if it will always be quite to the extent of what we saw at times in the finals. Yeah. And I'm not going to hold him doing he's that. Not, he's not in bled, the 13th so. game of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think there's just there's a touch of that one with everyone obviously recognizing he's a better playmaker. He's a better defender. But at the same time, I just do think he's better all around. He is a better shooter, even when he has a night like last night. I prefer him taking a lot of those shots than I ever would, Eric Bled. So, um, but that's that's kind of a side point. I mean, I just, as it probably shows here, I think even with them not quite healthy, which is an understatement, like we're getting into some interesting things. I think they're playing pretty well. They're executing well in a lot of ways. The ability to get grace and good looks when the Celtics were as kind of obsessed with them as they were for most of the game and to have them hit those shots to get you to overtime, like that's a big win. I think it's at, at that point, particularly in a game without Giannis, you're like, okay, We've got to be happy here. Like, let's let's hopefully go and get the win. But this has been a a good night's work, and that that was kind of my feeling on it. I guess maybe this is before the season. We talked about, you know, what will the championship do to us? At what point will be we'd be like, no, I'm angry about this regular season game. What I could say is a game without Giannis and Chris and Brooke and Drew not playing great, and they push the Celtics to overtime, and then they lose. I'm kind of like, you know. Great job, everyone. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Maybe that's part of the the afterglow. Yeah. Do we dare? I mean, I don't see Ty Windish here on this call with us. Do we dare to... Uh, maybe he'll appear once I say the name. You know, it's like <laughs> summoning him. It's like Candyman. But um, Shemi Ojale? Let's do it. I'm... I'm honestly a bit baffled by Shemi at this point. Hmm. I don't really have a feel for it. I 
I'm not feeling a lot of it is good. There has definitely been some improvements recently, but I guess my overall takeaway still, I just feel like he is kind of at sea in terms of what the books are doing and what his role is. And they kind of want him to be a big, and it's something we touched on before. And he seems to be more inclined to still play like a wing. I don't like a lot of what he's doing spacing wise. It's particularly with Bobby out there, it gets quite muddled. But there's there's been some progress as three-point shooting has certainly ticked up. I'm just kind of, I don't know where I'm at on Chemi because I'm seeing some good things, I'm seeing some bad things. Maybe that's maybe I shouldn't overthink it. It's as simple as that, and that's the kind of player he's gonna be, and he's gonna fall back end of the rotation because of that. Sorry, tight. Um, like back back end. Um but I don't. Do you have anything else on that, or do you do you see anything different, or are you kind of with me? Um, I pro- uh, soccer middle. Um, <laughs> I think he's probably the the newest guy that's most hurt by the fact that the Bucks don't have three or, or well, as of last night, they have three of their best players in action because he's doing more things than what he would normally have to do. Um, I see a lot of positives in terms of he moves really well defensively. Uh-huh. He, he's a really good defender. I mean, Tatum hit some tough shots in terms of last night's game, but I thought Shemi was just kind of on him at whenever he had the chance. Um, it made those shots tougher to you know, get off. Um, I mean, offensively, it's pretty cut and dry. If he's hitting shots, he's, you know, playing up to his capabilities. If he's not, then it's like, okay. It's, you know, it's... I that's just kind don't of... think he will, though. He actually, like, again, this is something I've said a hundred times now, but I think by the time the playoffs come around, the books won't be playing as if they're looking to fill in for P.J. Tucker because I don't think that will be their best version. But he really is he is the discount PJ Tucker. Like, Oh yeah. It's, it's incredible when he was, he had those two shots where I'm like, what is this? Uh, last night it's the Celtics where they're like, they're not even their short mid range where he's just jumping in the air. And then he's being like, I better shoot this. <laughs> You're like, what is going on? He's got no offense. I'm, uh, he can make shots. He can make shots of bunches. He can make shots from the corners. It, it, we were talking about PJ Tucker again. Um, I, my only concern is, uh, let me think of what I was going to say. I don't think he's got the dog in him, but I don't want to say that. I wasn't intentionally saying it. I don't think he's like enough of a maniac for that role. I don't know. They're done for that loose ball. What game was that? I just think he has no self-regard. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to be growling in people's faces. He's, you don't think he's going to go up to Kevin Durant and absolutely point not. at him, and then Kevin absolutely Durant's not. security guard is going to throw Shimmy out to lay off him? No. Um, no, I don't think. I don't think uh, he's quite Tony Snell in terms yes. of demeanor. Uh, uh, um, not quite. I mean, Tony is like. Tony's Tony is the ultimate extreme. He is one of one, but yeah, Blackberry birthday cake to just Tony's give a yes to give a rough guide. <laughs> I think to 
his character, it certainly leans more Tony Snell than PJ Tucker on the scale of, you know, former books. Yeah. He's there's, just kind there's of, nothing he, wrong with that because that no. player, particularly with the mix of like, he'll be very popular in the book soccer room. He'll be a good fit chemistry wise. They'll like having him on the court. Um, like the PJ thing could probably only ever last so long with PJ being as forceful of a personality as he was. Well, I can't remember what part was he on. Old Man in Three, right? I didn't actually listen to it, but I saw the clip where he was talking about you know none of these guys are gonna go for it. Like none of these guys, you know, God, Chris and Drew, and then he's like, <laughs> "So I'm just gonna do it." That's uh, that's great in uh, the parade setting. But if we kind of, if we just expand that generally to then his, maybe how he views his influence on the team, don't know how great that would have been longer term, you know, where you've got this guy who feels like I've got to be, you know, I've got to, I've got to go and step up for that. I don't, I don't think that's ideal. It's certainly in the short, sharp burst. We there's do. only, there's only one gear that PJ plays at. There's He's on not... the right team now is all I'll say. Oh, very much. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I just think with, with Chami, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything to believe he could do more than PJ. And I don't think he has the intensity that makes PJ PJ and gets him in a starting spot. I mean, he is the key in talking about Bobby like we were. Like, if Bobby can't work some of that out, he is going to have to play, well, at least as the roster is currently constructed. And I, I would think with the way things are playing out, aside from just the obvious, and actually getting a look at some of this, the books have got to be looking for front court stuff when buyout season comes around or if they're to make trades, whatever it will be. I think it's it's got to be. Well, that's, I mean, they don't need a guard. They got plenty of these up. I mean, God willing, Dante will return <laughs> from his injury. Um, he's he's the trade bait, though. If, if, oh, he clearly if it was is. a trade, yes. like, and you could easily have a team. It's like, sure, we're interested. He could be good. Um, we'll take a look for a few months. Get his bird rights. If you get a second round pick for that, I I don't think the the Bucks object to that. Honestly. But he, he may it may even be more that there's a team with a big they don't need, and they you know there might just be a a nice match salary wise where you're you're getting a straight kind of swap Dante for someone else. I think that's. That's definitely the the logical if something is to happen, I think. Otherwise, you're talking what are the moves doing chemistry-wise or to the makeup of the roster or, you know, what is the value of the players? I think he is, he is the obvious one where it's like, yeah, they have a guard too many. Yeah. Um, that could change. That could change. Maybe very by the well time trade season comes around, they're down a couple of guards and they don't actually have any kind of dispensable guards. But but I think, I think you're willing to make the – I mean, we saw how it was. I'm not going to compare it to this last year's team by every turn because I feel like I'm doing that all the podcasts. It's hard not to. It's hard not to. But look at what they did last year with Jeff Teague. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it was great. <laughs> Say for game six. That was of... not what I was expecting. <laughs> so I was not expecting Jeff Teague to win. But I just think, I again. When's ring night not... for Jeff? I think it would have been the opening night, right? Why he wasn't he there? Axel Tupon was there. Yeah. Because he probably thought he got an A in a group project. He didn't want to be embarrassed. I need to, I need to get in touch with some people. I'll arrange that 
Jeff, Jeff can get his ring when I'm there. What if he signs a one-day contract to retire with his... To retire with the books? Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm not opposed to it. I think he should get his ring in front of... He actually played like it's kind of... It should be tomorrow night against the Hawks in Atlanta. In Atlanta. I don't know if that would go down very well. I, I think don't... it would. I mean, last time the Bucks were there, they won it all in terms of getting out of the East. Yeah, and Jeff Teague had a crucial, crucial game in that series to help them get there. Anyway, Jeff Teague. Sorry, Jordan, you were making a point, but you did derail it yourself by bringing Jeff Teague into this. Um, well, I was just going to say, I think you make that... I think you'd be willing to peruse the waiver wire. Waiver wire. What is this, fantasy football? It's uh, technically the waiver wire. It is true. Um, rather than or opening up a roster spot, going through free agency and what, who other bio guys pop up. Do you not and, think that they, they try and make a trade so that they can keep a roster spot open, you know, for those sweet, sweet tax savings? Do you not think that's more likely? How do you? <laughs> I'm just saying, that's a, it's entirely possible that they go all season with an open roster spot. And they're like, God, we really need a big. It's a pity we don't have an open roster spot. We're going to have to trade someone. Dante is going to be like, wait, wait, no, there is an open roster spot. And I'm like, sorry, Dante. We've, you know, needs must. <laughs> oh, God. Um, any other players? I, I, we probably glossed over Pat a bit there, which you should do. No, I think we... we... He came up certainly in the, the Grace and Dante and him conversation. He's just being unbelievable. Um, I'm, I'm curious about Rodney Hood because we're seeing very little of him. But I, I wonder if they can build that as the year goes on. Like it makes sense to see very little of him based on his health and everything. But he is the guy on the roster where it's like, if we're to talk about the ability he's shown in the NBA, like he's playing if he can get back to that. So maybe they take it very gently to take it very slow. I think that's and, exactly what they're doing. And if that works out, that's going to be a big deal um, because all of a sudden then you could have another player giving you production on a level of like what we've seen from Pat and from Grayson recently. Like offensively, he's capable of doing exactly those kind of things. Um, but I am, I'm, I'm intrigued. I think when he's on the court, he's just kind of fitting in fine. He's not standing out. He's actually not playing in a very Rodney Hood way, but I I feel like he's getting it is the only thing in the way where, where I'm not entirely sure. And I guess Hood, Hood was healthy for more of training camp, wasn't he? Or for a part of training camp? I feel like he got a bit more than Shammy. I can't remember. I was on sabbatical. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, um, but I, I think he's – it's probably easier positionally too and it's closer to the roles he's played before. But I, I feel like when he's on the floor, he's at least getting it where I'm like, okay, if you can just continue to build, get more confident, feel better uh, physically, a few months down the line, I'd be curious to see what Rodney Hood looks like. Maybe it's nothing, and that's part of, I think, when they sign him, they know yeah, very it well. Like, it could be nothing, but if it works out, it's a big deal. So haven't seen anything there just yet where I'm like, no, forget about it. 
I, I actually think the approach being quite slow and diligent. And I also think him just kind of seeming happy to find his footing and just kind of let this thing play out. That's also encouraging because he's the kind of guy and with some of the stuff he's on the past, you're like, he could come in, he could be nowhere near where he was in the past. He could be like, yeah, I'm going to put some shots up. So I, I think the fact that he's not doing that suggests some level Fitting in fire. rather than fitting out. Yes, exactly. As one man once said. That's encouraging. Will we go to the mailbag? Yes, let's do it. First up from at... Oh, I nearly, I nearly cut some of these out because this is a, it's been going on over like two days now, Jordan. So the first one's from at Orcadi Jr. Oh, he wants to know what can we do to make Adam's trip to Milwaukee incredible. For those who don't know, maybe for those who are on Twitter, I am, I am finally doing this. Um, well, you know, I have flights booked. We'll see what the world has in, you know, in mind. You know, a few months, who knows what happens? But flights are booked. I am coming to Milwaukee right at the end of February into March. There's a bit of a home stand there. I know we're doing a parade, right? It's going to be a parade. Oh, the champagne. Peter right. Checker will be drinking. <laughs> he is back that week. Uh, oh, that's right. Don't yeah. Think, don't think it's his first game back. I don't think. Keep talking. Let me look it up. I um, hope it is. But he is. He is back that week. What are we going to do to make it incredible? I'm going to go to a lot of books games with Jordan. Jordan is... Uh, you know, has volunteered to be my guide to all things Milwaukee, all things Wisconsin. He's he's told me that the planning stages are already, you know, there's a document of things to do. I wanna I wanna sample, you know, the sights, the sounds, the tastes. I wanna wanna be Wisconsin man for a week. Wisconsin man. Have you got that in hand, Jordan? Um Wait, wait, do I have Wisconsin man or am I? As the... in, you have it in hand that I'm going to be given the Wisconsin man experience for a week. Yes, I actually that is the their first. I think that is the. Oh no, never mind. I would have been December, surprised. It's quite like December fourth is when they. Maybe he walking. maybe he'll be injured or something. You know, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, certainly in this yeah. NBA, it's possible, but that could be his first. But yeah, regardless. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll have to talk some more though about this with Ty and Rohan. We'll figure something out. I'm sure we'll have some sort of meetup, if not something more, that if some people want to come see us, they can do that. It's the gathering place, I'm told. That is, that is very true. I've heard that. <laughs> Uh, so we may have a, a literal uh, gathering at the gathering place, but I'm I'm very excited. And in the months between, if anyone if anyone has any tips, if anyone has any ideas, if anyone we'll go see know, Latrell Sprewell at Joe Cats. Yeah, that seems like Major Jewelsby's has the Charles Barkley. They have like a thing commemorating. Do they really? Charles, yes, they did. That oh, was the first, cool. I went to Major Jewelsby's for the first time like last month, and I. So that they had that, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, we're in the early stages, we're in the early stages of planning. Um, any, any offers? I mean, any, any experiences <laughs> people want to people feel like you know, reach out, let us know. 
Um, any ideas, places to eat, things to see, things to do, all this stuff. We've got a few months. Let us know, but we'll uh, we'll brainstorm. I think we'll also try to uh, come up with something too, seeing as we'll all be in the one place the one time for the first time ever. It seems yeah, like we should probably we should probably do something for that. A trip to Oshkosh also on the cards. Um, so there'll be some books, there'll be some herd. So yeah, there'll be some there'll be some stuff. But thanks, Rohan, for asking the question. Really, though, Rohan, you should be involved in providing the answer. Am I, am I right, Jordan? He seems like someone who could have some solutions. That's true. He's going to be involved. He's going to be there. <laughs> From uh, Eugene Corsu, what is the role of Dante when he returns? Grayson looks untouchable at the moment. Yeah, I think we touched on this a little bit. Eight man? Ninth? Ninth man would be more like it. You've got George, you've got Bobby, you've got Pat. Where either one of Wara or Hooter is playing? Well, Shemi, I would think, is probably. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Dorola Dante, the reality is he's not going to come back into the starting lineup. And he is going to have to, whatever he gets, like when he's building himself back up to full health, he's going to have to play well. Yep. Um, if he's gonna crack the rotation in a meaningful way, or gonna have to play well. Now, who knows? You could get injuries, as we, as we are currently aware of. Opportunities could open up in a few different avenues, but he's gonna have to play well. I think that's the bottom line. From at James Ontario twelve, where can we find the balance between Hill and Drew with one having an okay start, and the other chucking up twelve trees to prove he's Bryn Forbes' replacement? I'm not worried about Drew having a terrible shooting night it's not really it's not really a problem i mean hill i've actually been quite impressed with i think he looks very good uh not to keep comparing to past back things he looks better than t because that's true no 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 i was gonna go for a couple years back he looked like george hill in the easter conference semifinals against celtics a couple years ago he was a lot more, um, I think even Marcus Johnson was talking about on the broadcast, he looked a lot spry. Yeah, even defensively, first step. I think he's quite spry. Defensively, I mean, he, that there's a is late in regulation. Um, some of his defense of Jason Tatum. Yeah, like he's not going to have every night. We surely know that. But, I mean, there's things that George Hill can give the, to the Bucks that, you know, for a backup guard that's just very valuable. Um, another just kind of heady sound player that there's nothing really you can um, fault him with anything that, you know, how he's played. So, yeah, I thought he looked, he's kind of clicked in a little bit more as the year goes along. It's a marathon, not a sprint, as what I've been told. Yeah, and Drew will be fine when he has Giannis and he has Chris there, and he doesn't have to do as much, just generally. Um, in addition to him having not had ideal preparations himself and kind of working his way back still. Mm-hmm. From James Ontario 12 again, how can we find a better anchor for our defense with Bobby not being a great post defender? Got an idea. <laughs> we could get Brooke. How's yeah, Brooke and doing? I think having a defensive player of the year you know, come back to – that, that also helps, but I think that has been proven. 
Brooke is very badly needed for rebounding purposes. Um, but yeah, I just Bobby cannot do that. That is, it's not news, unfortunately. Um, I think they will keep working as we saw against the Celtics. They'll probably put him in some spots where he's uncomfortable and may go poorly this season, but all in an attempt to maybe have him be able to stick up the floor a bit more. Because really, I mean, some of those matchups also worked for him last year. Like, let's say if the Bucks, this is really, it's looking far, far ahead, Jordan. Let's say they got to the finals this year. And instead of the Suns, you're playing the Warriors. Can Bobby, can Bobby play in that series? Particularly if Clay is back and healthy. Like, if you thought Dennis Schroeder had it easy picking on Bobby Portis, um, I would hate to see what it looked like if it was Steph Curry doing it. Yeah, so, that seems like a problem. It does seem like a problem. So <laughs> that is that is a concern. And it, it, it is the thing that he doesn't give you rim protection either, so you can't just try and avoid that. And like he's got better at drop, I think, as you noted earlier. I actually think sometimes he, he's better at drop than he is at switching, but he honestly, he's just wildly inconsistent. Yes, yes. Like, that is the thing. We've seen him do quite well switching. Um, he made a big play at the end of the game to get it to overtime. Did Rowan get completely carried away and compare it to Kevin Love against Steph Curry? Yes. Hey, we're comparing to finals but all what, around Was here. it Rowan's fault then when Bobby Portis just crumbled every time after that in overtime? <laughs> I mean, I know if I'd said something like that, people would have been blaming me. That's all I'll say. Um, but I, I don't think there's an answer to that. Will Bobby keep working on him? I think... He's got the right attitude. He's going to be engaged and he's going to want to get better at it. Whether he can remains to be seen, but just keep working on him. He's going to get on the floor for his offense. And if Brooke is out or Giannis is out, he's going to play and be into those spots defensively. Let's see if he can improve. If he can't, he's not going to be seeing the floor a whole lot in the playoffs. And that will be a hit to the offense. Maybe it's a hit they could survive this year with like Grayson coming in. And if Rodney Hood does grow into being a player who's playable and has kind of something resembling his game later in the year, but we shall see. From at Grizz, 145389, who's a realistic trade target for a backup center that we can groom into Brooks' replacement? Alternatively, would there be any possibility of turning Lopez plus something into Valanciunas? That hurts me deeply. Personally, you'd have to pry Brooke from my cold, dead hands in a deal involving Giannis Valanciunas, who is quite good. but He's a good player. He, he's certainly not the answer in terms of a different... He certainly won. He's not Brooke in terms of style of play or anything like that. Um, If you could get Giannis Valanciunas as your other center, as in or your other big... As opposed to Bobby, that would solve some problems for you and then also create some new ones in other ways. Um, the realistic trade target is tough because well, the book's got to trade. Yeah, that's let's it's not even a better turn that on question in, in on itself because it's what do the Bucks have to trade? Um, and therefore it's irrelevant. <laughs> it's, it's I just yeah, I I have not 
it, it's, not, it's not important now. It's the sort of thing, a natural answer to that question could emerge as the season goes on, where you've got disgruntled big on Team X who's not playing a lot. They're not going to need, and as we said earlier, maybe they need a guard and you can do a deal involving Dante. And the books don't need Dante. Things hold up with their guard situation. And, you know, or if it's not Dante, whoever it might be, maybe something like that just falls into place. 13 games into the season, though, none of that is yet apparent. Yeah. Like we're we're quite a way off getting an answer on that. Um from an MK Robert, more casualties. The books roster are Squid Game. Jordan, have you seen Squid Game? I have. I've you watched have? all of it. Yes, wow. I know. This is rare. I have it's not. not. I, I've I've got nothing on Squid Game. So I'll take the lead. You take the lead. Um Squid Game. <laughs> <laughs> By far, it's not even close. It's not even close. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he answered it seriously, which was kind of a surprise. I wasn't I wasn't prepared for that. I, I could have guessed without seeing it that it may be Squid Game, for what I know of Squid Game. But I'm glad to hear that's the fact true. Yeah. I haven't got to it. I'm, you know, how many? Tw- 10 episodes? 12 episodes? Nine. Nine. One of them is very short. But did I also have some of those Air Plus episodes? No. Oh, okay. No, Netflix more Netflix more does that than the who is it? Apple or that kind of fluctuates in time. I guess. What am I talking about? Net, I just Netflix. Said, Netflix do that. Prime. Amazon do that. I mean, they all do that. They just like, oh yeah, it's not on TV, so we can make an episode whatever that we want. Exactly. More often than not, I find they end up like an hour and twelve minutes. I'm like, I think the most at tops I was like, like fifty seven. I my my thing. I should I be airing this in this podcast? Will this get people tweeting at me? I don't have time for TV. I'm a movies guy. Squid Game. How many movies could I watch at the time it would take to watch Squid Game? It's like. I've got endless movies out there. I'm never going to catch up. I'm never going to see them all. It's got to be also, really something. Like, I, I watch Succession. I love Succession. If you, you can get me... I heard that's TV. That's TV. It is. There's some Topher. TV that... Not, not much, but there's some TV that I watch. Um, it's actually, it's not TV. It's HBO, George. No! <laughs> but... I'll watch some half-air stuff. You know, big big fan <laughs> of the half hour format. Um, Curb, Curb's back. Although Curb is rarely half hour anymore. Again, yeah, that's yeah. How to with John Wilson, favorite virus, back soon. But generally, hold, I'm hold judgment, reserve judgment. That may be fluctuating time. You don't know. We'll see. But yeah, my I haven't I haven't watched Good Game. I probably won't. Uh, there was a while there. I was like, eh, maybe I'll watch it. Do you know what it feels? It feels like I think we're on the eve of Tiger King two coming out. It's yeah. just these. Sh- I know, I know. I'm not gonna watch it either. I watched but the these first Netflix. Time. I feel like these Netflix shows just kind of just like, oh yeah, they come and go. They're completely yeah, like, disposable. They, I mean, oh yeah, they, they've yeah. made very little that hasn't been that. Queen's Gambit. You watch that? No, I did not. Neither did I. I believe that's maybe not quite as disposable, but I, I don't know. I'm not the guy to talk about this. I've got yeah. another pod. You're not Ted Sarandos? 
No, well, I don't know if he's the guy to talk about this either. No. Um, but, you know, let's just move right along from Netflix. Squid Game was the answer, according to Jordan, which is good yeah. to know. From an MK Robert again, seems that Grayson has universally exceeded even the highest of expectations. Is there anything about his game that surprised you? Not much. I think the defense, though, I just just the fact that he's like kind of perfectly neutral on defense. You just don't have to worry about it. He's not someone that's being hunted. That seems pretty encouraging to me. Agreed. Yeah. He he made some heads up plays last night. Again, not just taking the Celtics game for gospel, but um, yeah, I, I, I think he's, he's more, He, he's he's he plays his part very well. He plays his role very well but on both ends of the floor. What's your concern level with Brooks' injury? This is again from MK Raj. What is the injury? We don't know. I actually right? I don't have a concern level because at this point I can't yet get myself worked up about something that may be resolved and fine in two days. Yeah. What are the odds that he comes back against the Lakers or something like that? For their homestand, yeah. Well, that's I'm not saying that's what's gonna happen, but like, I do, the answer to that though is I don't think the odds are very good because no. they don't they don't do timelines, but they will start. But to they, say it's also gonna be like this, about to happen, and they're this not. This person's gonna yeah, it's gonna be like he just comes back in. And it's like oh, he's back. It's like oh, what? <laughs> my my only concern is I think the books are looking pretty good right now. All things considered, I think they look like a team that if you get everything together, they'll be exactly who we thought they would be and then some. And with that, I guess the only real priority is just, you know, get through the season healthy and get yourself to a good enough position. As I mentioned at the top, right now they are 11th in the Eastern Conference. That is definitely not a good enough position. Um, I honestly, I don't know how low is too low. Do we care about home court? The book home court yeah that's right i don't know why i doubt it it sounded weird they're, they're 11th but they're also three games out of first place so that's and the wizards are first and i really don't know what to make of that yeah i mean we're very early in the season but if that if we're at okay we're 13 games in if we're 26 games in and brooks still isn't back and the books are right around 500 and around the play-in spots or the back end of that. But that would start to get pretty concerning. Like, at a certain point, they're going to have to get healthy and win some games so that later in the year we could be like, no, no, that mattered. They're healthy now. And, you know, on their day, they're good enough to beat anyone. So we'll see. I'm not, not at the spot of concern just yet, but check back in soon and it could it could happen it could yeah. get very concerning the other thing too is a Chris out though like you get Chris and Giannis back this will get better yeah with particularly with role players playing well you you still won't be doing what you would like to be defensively or on the glass but just overall things will be better your offense will be better and they'll win more games so that's I guess the first step for us from a David Dunn 21, which member of the books is most likely to write run out of money and write a book claiming he was always better than Giannis? I've got an answer for this. Who? 
Well, I was going to let you go first. I mean, we've got some people, people have taken to this question. There's been some responses have come in. So an MK Roberts says, Bobby Portis. Sorry, Bobby. Uh, Classical Lib Ty says, Ton all day. At Dan or Schaefer, Jason Kidd. At GMGTCom1052, I heard you a source that Tanassus is already three chapters in, complete with fourth grade stats and everything. If you got anyone, will I go? Is it current Bucks player or? Mine is not a current Bucks player because I saw some answers non current and I'm like, I think mine is. Oh, that is the answer. Mine is non current. Wait, who, you go first then. Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker, 100%. Question is, which member of the books is most likely to run out of money and write a book claiming he was always better than Giannis? <laughs> it's, it's the one that makes sense. Yeah, but Very this hard. is the one thing my... angry. Was that your pick? Uh, no, no, no. I'll push back on this, though. Would he write the book? Sure, I mean... When athletes decide to write a book, it's not like you or I deciding to write a book, you know? You get a ghostwriter involved. How much work is there really? You sit Gaster. for a couple of days. You do like 14 hours of interviews. Someone else writes the book. That's how that works. So, Are yeah. you telling me Scott Pippen didn't write his own book? He's a different kind of guy. So Clearly. I, I'm not going to say that he goes through the process in the same way that most of our athletes do. Maybe yeah. he has been... Do you know who wrote the book? Michael Jordan. What did you look at that? No, I'm joking. <laughs> so uh, I was going to say PJ Tucker. He's not going to say he's better than Giannis, but he could no. certainly write a book with some sour grapes in it down the line. He'll say he's better than Harden. There's only certain <laughs> kinds of guys <laughs> who get book deals, though. That's, yeah. I think Jabari, because Jabari was, again... He's always going to be a topic of interest. because he's, he's always going to be someone people be like, what if? You know, he's, he's like a 30 for 30. You know, he's a walking 30 for 30. It's going to be, what could have been? You know, remember who he was? Simeon, in college, all of that. There's going to be... So that would be my pick. From at sign underscore Justin, will Grayson keep being able to average nine three-point attempts per game or will team start to try and take his shots away? He is averaging 8.8 triples per game, which is... He's also doing that without Chris, Drew, some games without Giannis. <laughs> and he's making 43% of them. Um... Shots so, yeah, are going to go down because the books will take shots away when those guys get Yeah, back. that's that's more the... But he'll get better looks, so his percentage is going to go up. So so are they? is there really a trade-off happening here? Is it that bad of a trade-off? No, it wouldn't be. But yeah, again, he's, he's being ridiculous. Could he break the... Let's see how many... What's the most threes that a Bucks player has made this season? I think it's actually Brooke. Is it? Not Chris. I remember he takes more shots elsewhere, though. Um, here, let's see. Season leader Ray Allen. 
Ray what? Allen made 229 three-pointers in the 0102 season. I guess, yeah, he was – what am I talking about? Brooke was third in 2018 Brooke was third. Um, Britton Forbes, 154, 10th. But, yeah, Brooke was 42 behind Ray Allen's mark, which is quite a long way off. I bet um, they average – they probably average – Roughly the volume, too. It was just a matter of... What year was that? 2001? 0102. Two? So, oh, one, 102. What, what am I talking about? <laughs> he averaged 7.7 threes per game that year. So, the not equal value. Or Grayson, volume. if Grayson stays healthy, is going to absolutely destroy this record. What is he, he at right now? He's made 49 trees through 13 games. So if he played 65 games at this pace, which the pace will probably drop, but we'd be at, what, 245? Yeah. So, yeah, I, right now it looks pretty good that Grayson Allen could have the most made trees in the season in books history. He's going to put it to the test. He sure will. And, you know, he's here more than one season. So if he doesn't do it this year, he'll have other opportunities. From at Hunter underscore Y13, I've heard the lackluster class of current big man free agents discussed before, given Brooks' prolonged absence. Are there any big guys playing overseas who the books could bring over for the last roster spot or anyone they could elevate from the herd to take center minutes? Um, they could do all these things. <laughs> well, bringing over from overseas is tough at this time of year. Oh, very much so, yeah. That's Pos- more... Possibly late in the season, like they did with Elijah Bryant, um, when seasons elsewhere have wrapped up. But to get out of deals with those teams, you're going to be, for example, non-Euroleague, Euro Cup teams are in the serious stages of things. So you're not going to get players from the best teams overseas. That's possible. Um no one really coming to mind right now. That with the herd, I mean, herd look great. I'd say look great. I have not personally watched a second of it, but I, I have seen the tree and oh and the standards. They also look great. I was gonna say they look great in the standards. That looked pretty good to me. Um I I lie when I say I haven't seen a second of it. I saw Rajon Tucker's game winner on opening night. Big guys, though, not not with the way the roster is constructed, and just generally, I think as we talked about. And they had, I mean, one of their centers is Javin Delorier, who was a trade camp guy for him. I'm and I don't not... think anyone is particularly being like, certainly weren't in the in preseason being like he needs to be on the roster. So wait and see. Wait and see is always, I think, the thing with the G League, but particularly with big guys. It's an area that's always going to be tough. It's just, I wish there was an option there right now. The reality, though, is even if there was, the books don't have an appetite for it. They're keeping this spot open. Yep. If they did, they would have done something, anything. And they don't. And they haven't. So, they, I, if they anticipated ha- not having their starting center for what, nearly a month now, um, they ob- obviously would have done that if they so choose but they did not choose. They did not. So 
we're just going to have to wait and see how all this plays out. What big guys become available. And I think we're going to be talking about this for many months, even if Brooke comes back, because it is the obvious clearing hole in the roster. Yep. From Mitchell Metz, one, how does a scrawny guard beat us when we're playing small? Was it all about conceding the switch? If so, was that on Bud or the players on the floor? This was not a playoff game. It was not a playoff game. That's, I, I guess, is my answer to this. We, we did touch on it, and I talked about Percy, but what I'm seeing with Bobby and why I think that goes pretty poorly for Bobby. Um, the books were not playing as if their life depended on it because that is not what you do in game 13 of the regular season if you want to be in position to do that in a finals. So I personally think part of it may have been, yeah, they were conceding it, not just to concede it, but to be like, let's see Bobby in this situation. Uh, that's my good on that. I mean, how does a scrawny guard beat them when they're playing small? Very easy because it doesn't playing small doesn't actually mean anything in that you can play big, you can play small. It's still going to come down to individual matchups. And if you've one guy on the floor who can't guard someone else and you are switching, which is really the only way you can play, you don't have Giannis, you don't have Brooke. Like that loss is on a roster, a flaw of the kind of roster construction as much as anything else. Now, it's not a flaw you have an easy fix for, an immediate fix for, or even that they may care on fixing. Bobby is who they wanted. Bobby is who they invested in last year to great the greatest possible success. Um, but that's that's part of it. Like this is there is a reason why I was the Bobby Portis skeptic last year and why I was thrilled to be proven wrong and have everyone laugh at me throughout the playoffs. And I'm at a point now where I'm like, yeah, I think he's really good at some things, and I also still think he's really not good at other things. And he's a player that there are gonna be significant swings in perception and they lead to swings in what his playing time will be and to who he can play against, how he plays. Could the books have fought a little harder to prevent some of those screens or some of those switches? Absolutely. And could Bud have, I mean, technically you could have just taken Bobby off the floor. Like if you're just trying to win that game, you could be like, let's play Shammy as the five and let's switch and with the way the books have George Hill, Drew Holiday, you'd have five kind of mid-sized guys. That's what they could have done. Yeah. And you didn't do that. So you could have brought Tanasis in. There, there were other options, particularly for defense, if you want to do that. So I can only see the decision to leave them out there as something intentional because they know it's a problem. They know it's something that they got away with last year. And you may not get away with that again because you may need Bobby's points or you may just not have another big. Like if Brooke isn't healthy or Giannis isn't healthy or you get any kind of disruption throughout a playoff run, if you've got to play him against a team where you wouldn't ideally play him, it would be nice to know that he's learned something and is better equipped for it. He's not there right now. And the playoffs, they certainly didn't do anything for him. Like the books didn't make Bobby Portis a better player in the playoffs last year. They actually pulled him to protect him from himself. <laughs> Um, in what would have been one of the biggest moments. So I don't, I don't have an issue with it. I think he was there. He was game. He was trying. I, to my eyes, again, not a coach, not a scout. I'm not preparing myself to be an expert, but I think there's some really obvious things Bobby does that he could maybe not do. 
do differently. You can look at how his teammate, who is just an incredibly good defender, um, how he handles those situations when he's kind of pulled out into mismatches. And he could try some of that. He could adjust some more. But part of that is you've got to put your reps in. And I think maybe what we saw against the Celtics were some of those reps. Lastly, from at Hunter underscore Y13, are any of the players in the current roster candidates for Tory Craig midseason giveaway, or is it too early to tell? Too early to tell. Um, this is a roster with candidates, though. Yeah. Like, if Rodney Hood doesn't work out, they might just be There's like... There's a lot of one-year guys. Yeah. That we just... Okay, that's not working. We'll get rid of that player. Um, particularly if they do acquire someone else. Yeah. yeah. Why don't want to use all those 15 spots, Jordan? They come at a price. So you got to give someone away, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So possible. There are definitely multiple candidates that if they find themselves completely out of the picture and not playing very well, that the books could decide for whatever reason down the line to cut ties with them. All right. I think that's all we've got. We talked books basketball. 2021, 22, Milwaukee books basketball. We also talked TV. What did we start out with? Very Topher Grace. Topher Grace. You never got back to that. Do you want to? Well, that's what I was about to do. He changed his name because he didn't like to be called Chris. Many people called him Chris when he was young, and he would finish it with Topher to reiterate that they call him by his full name. In his interview with Anthony Anderson of the Ellen DeGeneres show, what a sentence. The actor said, so I'd say, hi, my name's Christopher. And they said, nice to meet you, Chris. He said, taking a pause. And then he said, and I'd say, Topher. He continued stating. Hold on a minute. No one's name is Chris Topher. I think in that sense, you say Topher. So is his name Topher Grace? Is that, I have think, we all been calling him wrong because, I mean, it's a ridiculous non-name. So people are just looking at it and they're like, Topher. Should we really be calling him Topher Grace? Topher Grace? Probably. I mean, I don't know. It's, Is he it, not the loser in this scenario? So he wasn't happy with people calling him Chris. No, he no, wait, wait, Christopher, wait. And now he's now, called Topher. He continued <laughs> stating that he was, when he was in New Hampshire High School, he joked that he would use Topher as his official name. To his surprise, the hottest girl in school said, that's cute. So that was it. It wasn't a Hollywood thing or anything, according to Topher Grace. Topher. Topher Grace. Topher. Wow, that was that was enlightening, I have to say. <laughs> Very enlightening, because I, I would have thought it was a Hollywood thing. You learn something new every day. Um if you've listened to all this episode, you have in fact learned something. What a new. payoff! What a payoff! I have was to say. it what you expected to learn coming into the episode? Absolutely not. But you shouldn't have expected Jordan and I to teach you anything about, you know, basketball or the Milwaukee books, really. So yeah, tougher grace. There we go. All right, Jordan. Thanks for that. That's some good hardline investigative reporting. Ellen the Generous Show correspondent. Jordan Anthony Anderson. <laughs> no, Jordan Tresky reporting on behalf of Anthony Anderson, on behalf of the Allen Show.
thanks again to all of you for listening make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts that's Eurostep Podcast Network you'll get all episodes of Win in 6 you'll get all episodes of the Eurostep you'll get all of our crossover content you can also subscribe to our Substack gspn.substack.com all the episodes will go out there too and some articles too Jordan's got a got a twitchy twitchy pen finger is that what we'll call it uh, he's got some articles cooking. He he can't just he can't quit it. It's no, it's inside of him. I have no such problems. <laughs> so <laughs> I say good for Jordan. Uh, but there'll be some other stuff there. It's it's always worth subscribing to the Substack. You never know what might drop in your mailbox. Maybe a tougher grace <laughs> Until next time. His name was Chris Topher Douglas Roberts for a listing. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Thank you.